Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. There we go. There we go. This has happened one other time in my professional career, and it was like three weeks ago. Quick story. I'm doing CBS Sports Radio. We're up against the clock. It's not happening. It's not going. They're not making connection with the guys in New York they're supposed to make connection with. And then all of a sudden, right as CBS Sports Radio is hitting my open, right as it's hitting the open, boom, we have connection. And I'm in. It's like I broke in to a bank. I'm like, I'm in. We're great. Let's go. And I have two studio mics back there in the other studio for CBS Sports Radio. And I grabbed the wrong one out of pure and utter excitement. Now, normally I would have been able to fix it because we would have had like a a checkup ahead of time. Normally I would have been able to do that. Not have a chance to do that. And then I got the wrong mic. And I'm over here like, am I on? Am I on? Am I on? And I just, you know, like. Seven years ago, I might have just panicked, and I would have started sweating, and I would have been really nervous and be like, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't hear myself. What do I do? But at this point, I'm like, somebody else's problem. <laughs> somebody else will figure this out. And because of that experience, I then knew what happened here today. You see, you learn a little bit. Learn in life is what happens. So here's what happened. I'm going to break it down for you only because you need to know why you didn't hear me for the first 15 seconds. And before you start throwing tomatoes at Jack's, Jack Gregory's head, uh, please stop. It was not his fault. In a weird moment. So we got, we have two mics in here now, right? Because we have the, uh, we have the cam, the cameras in here. So every time you see a, a Ken and Anthony clip that goes out, it's because they're connected to this different mic. Okay. It's this different mic that I'm using right now to talk to you beautiful people. And normally between Jeff Phelps and Dustin Fox, somebody switches that mic over before that I'm on the air with you guys. Jeff Phelps wasn't in today. Dustin Fox wasn't in today. And the guys in the morning, because for some reason, they don't think they have to switch it over for some reason. Clearly didn't switch it over. Oh man, if this happened to, if this happened to them, I imagine we'd have a stern email about it in the morning. Think I'm wrong about that? Am I wrong about that? There's crumbs left on the chair when we get mornings on it, uh, or we get emails on it because the morning show wants to say something. You telling me that, uh, one of them didn't turn over the mics? We're not having an email about that? I want an email stat pronto. If you're going to use the cameras to put out tape, go ahead and change over the mics. My goodness. My goodness. So anyway, apologize to all of you guys for that. Uh, I will get the right mic at some point. I'm using this other mic at the moment, and it seems like it's sounding pretty good because when I yell, it definitely makes its way through. And I got a lot to yell about today, okay? I found Kent State on the TV, so we're good, though, because I got my first bet of the college football season in, and I'm feeling pretty good. Doing pretty good about everything today. Also, the baby had a full night of sleep. First time I can say that one in about two weeks. So I'm feeling extra good. Oh, but you guys aren't going to like this next take. And that's fine. I have to brace myself for that. I have to make myself aware of it. I, I'm, I'm very 
cognizant of the fact that I'm probably going to make a few of you mad. That's all right. You want to, if you want to live with happy version of me, go back 24 hours ago, listen at two o'clock. I tell you how the Browns are going to win 11 games this year and we're a dark horse for the Super Bowl. Okay. Odyssey rewind. It's still up on the old ticket machine. Go back and find it. Okay. How the Guardians bamboozled the entire fan base today is beyond me, though. I am so agitated at the idea that they can make a signing, I mean, just three signings the way that they did, and everyone just fawns over the fact that you think now they have a chance again? The hell are we talking about? Ronaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, and Matt Moore is hardly Shohei Otani. What are we doing here? There's a reason why they were able to be claimed off waivers. Lucas Giolito has an ERA in the sevens with Anaheim. What are we doing? I got to be honest. The Guardians had lost me over the previous two weeks or so. You guys could hear it when instead of doing a post-game show and talking about the Guardians, I was talking about the Browns in any capacity. I made it my mission over the past two weeks to discuss everything but the Guardians. But here we are talking about them now. Let's treat this like a Brazilian steakhouse here, okay? Green side up if you like it, red side up if you don't. Are the moves enough to get you back into the baseball season? Guardians with a 5.5% chance of making the postseason. They're not out of it, technically. But take the Guardians and think about what you're gravitating towards. It might be too late for me. I'll watch the games, but I'll watch the games if it's a field full of Jack Skeggerys out there. I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. But I'm not normal with baseball games. Some of you guys, they could sign the ghost of Babe Ruth and it'd be played in your backyard. And if the Browns are interesting, it doesn't matter at all. Feels like they lost some of you already. I know that. You turn the page, and once you turn the page, there's no going back. Weather is getting cooler. You're already getting Halloween decorations out. Saw a pumpkin Halloween decoration earlier today at my in-laws' house. That's why I thought of that. It's been a couple. I know we're a couple months away. I know it's a little early, but some of you guys are clearly doing it. But a lot of you guys decided that because the Guardians seemed like they showed a pulse here, that I need to be giving them some sort of credit. That because they took the three million of the eight million dollars they got back from the Josh Bell deal, that all of a sudden I need to be giving them credit for spending money. Listen, I know that's a lot of uh, thirty-day, thirty-dollar passes that they're selling. That's a lot of pregame two-dollar Miller Lights that they got to fork over in order to afford three million dollars for twenty-eight days of action. But I can't sit here and tell you that I'm I'm going to fawn over the Guardians' moves and act like they just acquired Bob Gibson in his prime. I couldn't believe it. And we'll have it in the fan focus. I heard Baskin earlier today when they made the announcement. And it's tough. When you hear news coming down the pipe, it is tough in the moment to respond to it. Uh, but he acted as if they had just not only clinched the postseason, but gotten into the World Series because of these moves. He acted like these were the greatest moves he's ever seen, as if this all of a sudden gave them a chance. This team is six games under, five, uh, under 500. They're not even close to sniffing the AL Central. I'm sorry. I don't know how they catch the Twins, but here's the true dagger for a lot of Guardians fans that wanted to celebrate this one. Here's the twist of the knife. You ready for it? The M. Night Shyamalan twist that I don't think you were prepared for. You ever think about the idea that because they went out and got Lucas Giolito, they're going to be able to go ahead and say, hey, Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie, we know you were expected to appear at some point in the next couple months. Now you don't have to. 28 days left, now you don't have to if you don't want to. 
there's an argument to be made, and maybe Bieber and McKenzie still end up playing, but I don't know that to be true. There's an argument to be made that you made yourself way worse with these deals than made yourself way better. Lucas Giolito is no guarantee. And if it comes at the cost of them being able to say, well, we're able to shut down Shane Bieber and we're able to shut down Tristan McKenzie because uh, we have enough pitchers and honestly, we're not really playing for anything. Well, there you go. So it was just, it was mind boggling to me. The amount of support and the amount of rallying around this deal and these moves to act as if the Guardians had some sort of pulse and had some sort of life just thrown back into them. I, I just don't see it. And I know I'm angry. I'm an angry Guardians fan this year because I felt like when they were one game out of first place at the deadline and they truly did wave the white flag, I thought that was one of the biggest slaps you can tell your fan base. Uh, biggest slaps to your fan base, excuse me. That was one of the worst things you can do to a fan base is all but quit on them. When you're right there, you're right there. It was disgusting. Truly a disgusting act by the Guardians to be that close and then to be able to say, well, you know, we're going to let the, uh, the Twins win this one. I don't know if this move was made with the idea that you want to send off Tito on a high note, but there's no chance that any of these moves actually materialize into the high note that you want it to be. I'm confused. Why do people think we just acquired a combination of Shohei Otani and Babe Ruth? We acquired Reynaldo Lopez. Lucas Giolito has been left for dead now in two different spots. What are we doing? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Have the Guardians already lost you for the season despite these moves? Where they lost means they're too inconsistent. It's like me and my diets. Am I eating healthy with salads or am I like an eight year old that got their their wishing as, a, as an adult? You going for it or you not going for it? Tell me what's going on. Are you firing me or are you giving me a promotion? What's actually happening? When you get Noah Syndergaard and Xavier Curry to have actual real number of starts, I'm not left to believe that you're really going for it. But now all of a sudden, because they spent a whopping $3 million, I'm supposed to sit here and genuflect at the altar of Antonetti and Chernoff and everyone over there with the Guardians because you spent $3 million? Please, that's a rounding error for a lot of franchises. I can't give you applause for making a move too late, even if the move in it of itself is not a move that I'm particularly high on to begin with. People acting like you just acquired Chris Sale in his prime. People acting like you got, uh, name any Cy Young Award pitcher you want that the Guardians had for the previous seven years. Unreal to me. 216474 to below 92. I think I know what they're doing. I think they're trying to get on your good side. And they're trying to right the wrongs from what happened at the deadline where it felt like they truly did say, ah, we're okay for this year. We're going to, we'll try next year. Cause I think they looked around and they saw the fan base's reaction to that. And the fan base, the fan base, you guys are not stupid. You guys are very smart. You guys know when people are pulling one over on you. You guys know when a franchise is not truly trying and you know when a franchise is not giving it their all. Guardians have given me no inclination to believe that at the deadline, one game out of first place, they were going for it. And now all of a sudden, they want to try to act like they're going for it with these moves. These aren't moves that tell me you're going for it. The moves you could have made happened a month ago. You're late to the party. Sorry. I already got the hors d'oeuvres on the left side of the corner. We got beers on the right side of the corner. Pizza's over there. Go ahead, help yourself. You're late, though. Sorry. It's half-eaten and it's cold. That's on you. 
You're late to the party. Reynaldo Lopez is what's being served now. Lucas Giolito and his ERA that makes me want to vomit is being served now. I'm absolutely disgusted. I am disgusted. I am I am almost more mad at the fact that it seems like they were able to pull one over on the fan base than I am anything else, though. How smart individuals that no baseball can think to themselves, Guardians going to make a push here? Guardians aren't making a push. Guardians aren't making a push. You're six games under 500. Hell, if you lose the previous two games to the Twins, it's not even a conversation. They got lucky with some claims and a waiver wire, luck in their mind, and a waiver wire rule that benefits teams that aren't winning games. And then they can make as many claims as they want. But yeah, please, line up around the block to go ahead and genuflect at the altar of a team because they spent $3 million. It is unbelievable. I am sick to my stomach. 216-474-0092. Let me hear from you. Have the Guardians already lost you for the season despite these moves? Or are you thinking to yourself, but Jonathan, they finally spent money. Yeah, $3 million. Get back to me when they break a 20. My goodness. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on The Fan. We had a unique opportunity today to acquire three players to hopefully impact us moving forward as we continue to try to compete with the Twins for the AL Central. Starting with Lucas Giolito, he's been a really effective and durable Major League starter for most of his career, and we're excited to have him join our rotation to help stabilize that and provide us some competitive innings moving forward. And then in Matt Moore and Ronaldo Lopez, we feel like we've added two arms to our bullpen that will both improve our depth, guys that have experience pitching late in the games and should give Tito and Carl some more options for us to match up as we move forward. That's Chris Antonetti on the three moves that the Guardians made. Congratulations. You got three pitchers that are just all right. In the case of Giolito, you got someone that, although you said was effective at times in his career, you got him at his least effective time in his career. And congrats. You arrived to the beach with a pocket full of sand. Unbelievable. I just, listen, I'm okay with the idea that we got him for a song and me not killing the moves. This is not supposed to be something that people were getting ready to throw parades down Euclid for, though. That's the part that gets me. I'm more mad about your guys, the fans' reaction, than I am the moves themselves. And I need to make that abundantly clear. I feel like most of you guys understand what happened and figured it all out. But I feel like I feel like so much of this fan base, you want to defend the Guardians. And I don't know why. They slapped you in the face of the deadline. That's all they did. They slapped you in the face of the deadline. At the deadline, they didn't even turn on the slow music before screwing us over. But now they're trying to make an attempt, and now you're just, like, satisfied with it all? It's almost like the person that takes advantage of your friendship. Ask for help all the time. Then you have something important pop up. They say they can't help. You say this friendship is over, and they come back willing to do a small favor to try to get you to do the big favors in return. Guardians are throwing the fan base a tiny gift to make sure that the the diehards of diehards don't leave them completely for football season. And it's just infuriating to me that I feel like a lot of you guys are falling for that banana in the tailpipe. Headline from Cleveland.com. Guardians throw a haymaker. Giolito isn't a haymaker. Giolito is a whimper. It's not a haymaker. What are we doing here? 216-474-0092 on Twitter. You can find me. At Jay Peter and Twitter reactions brought to you by our friends at Chapman Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. We're going to talk Browns, I promise you. We'll talk Browns. We got Brendan Gould at 820. Uh, I'm going to just calm down myself so my cholesterol and everything. Is cholesterol impacted by being mad? I feel like it is, but it doesn't seem right. 
When I said cholesterol, I'm like, that's more of a burgers thing. That's more of too many trips through the drive-thru thing. But for some reason, it felt right in the moment. So mad, I can't even think straight. Let's let's get Dan to cool me down here. Dan, hello, how are you? Hi, uh, good, good. Uh, he called me right in time. I'm on a half-hour break, headed to work. But uh, oh, cool. Yeah, the one thing you had said um, was about how the the Guardians kind of gave their fan base a slap in the face with the trades at the deadline. I kind of don't see it that way because, I mean, if we're looking at things realistically as, you know, fans that actually watch the sport and know the sport, there was a very small chance that we would have got out of the first round if we would have somehow made the playoffs. So, I mean, yeah, baseball, anything can happen. You can turn, you know, in a week. You can get hot and you can you can go far. But it was kind of the way the season was going, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, maybe it was a move that would that's my problem, yeah. though, is that too many fans are not honest with themselves today because now they're saying, oh, we got Ronaldo Lopez and we're back in the postseason hunting. Let's go win one for Tito. And it's like, what are we? Yeah, um, that's crazy. That's crazy. We're not going to go to the playoffs this year. It's, it's done. Like, thank it's, you. Get real. Okay, like, you okay. at least understand. Uh, we, me and you can talk. We're, we're at least starting from the same uh, you know, starting point where everyone else feels like they're in a completely they're in la-la land for some reason. Right, right. Well, we're just going to start some action. We're going to start scoring eight points tonight. You know, a lot of nowhere. <laughs> we're going to win a game. Right. Come on, come on. Because we got because we got a pitcher who's okay. Maybe, maybe we got maybe we got a steal. Hopefully, I think the best thing that could happen is at least one of these three guys work out, and we got someone we can we can move forward with next year and try to build a roster that might actually compete. I think that was more of the move. They're just throwing this little code on it to make it look pretty for for the fans, but it's really a move for next year to see if we can get, if any of these guys pan out, it was a good move. If we can get one of these guys to be a solid, a solid rotation guy next year, you know, so either in the, out of the Gio bullpen or, a free agent. You know, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's not going to happen. I mean, it's just, it, it, Dan, it's wishful thinking at best. And I appreciate the call. Enjoy your work night tonight. Uh, two, one, six, four, seven, four to below 92. Uh, it's just, it's come on. It's wishful thinking. Nelson. Avon Lake up next in the fan. Hello, Nelson. JP, thought-provoking as always, dude. I love it. Thank the, you, Nelson. The, the Guardians quit at the trading deadline. And that last caller, I love you, dude, but that was a lacy take. <laughs> the Guardians were still in it. I don't care. Look at what happened last year with the Phillies. It can happen. You got to get to the dance. If anything... An organization that cries cash for, you get that playoff cash. Dude, you had a chance. You had no business quitting the way they did. And this move is, come on, man. I mean, what are they trying to do? You know, and it makes me sad because this front office has built so much equity with the fan base. And in in many ways, you can give these guys the benefit of the doubt. But let's be honest, JP, this year was a weird year. A lot of weird, crazy, nonsensical decisions from the front office, from the manager. This year was an odd year, and they should not get a pass. Thanks for the time, man. Thank you, Nelson. I appreciate you. I'm not giving them a pass. You know that. Yeah, it's not necessarily the moves. I, I need to make this abundantly clear. It's not necessarily even the moves, because I I, I wasn't mad when they got Noah Syndergaard. 
I said, okay, fine. You guys, you guys do what you do with pitchers. Any pitcher that comes here has an immediate boost up of the fact that you got gold glovers playing everywhere. You know, last year when Shane Bieber was taking the mound, or this year even when Shane Bieber was taking the mound, he was doing so where there was more gold glovers that were in the field than people that weren't a gold glove winner. It's incredible the amount of defense this team has. Any pitcher that come here, comes here is going to have a little bit of a boost up. There's no doubt about that. Zero doubt about that. It's more about the reaction I heard based off of these moves. And it's not just at this radio station. It was across Twitter and everywhere else. But I'm going to play it during the fan focus. Baskin and Phelps bounced back with the celebration theme. You know, the... That one, I almost I almost kept going. But we're not, not doing that. I learned a long time ago, do not sing on the air. One night I sang like Friends in Low Places or something at like 11.15, like six years ago. I still have not let myself live that down for that. And I'm just happy nobody else remembers it. So you're saying DeMarcus Ware has more courage to sing in Excuse front of a crowd than you? Excuse me, James Bridges. Do we, don't, we don't bring DeMarcus Ware into the Guardians conversation quite yet. But yes, DeMarcus Ware has more, he's got more stones than I do when it comes to singing publicly. Yes, that is correct. Because even though he would not pass on American Idol... He was still much better than I was. It's like the JOK level of singing when he sings Eric Church for BNP, okay? They, they bounce back with the, the celebrate good times. It's a party, all this other nonsense. And they're talking about how it's going to be a competitive. Now you got to push into the, the final part of the postseason and all this nonsense. And it was just complete Fugazi. Unreal. Couldn't believe it. And I'm not going to let the Guardians let you think that they're making some sort of big postseason Push when in reality they just got a lot of guys because they needed arms. These are bodies. These are not contending pitchers. These are bodies. And the other part of this twist that people have not taken into the account is that it more likely than not just means that Tristan McKenzie or Shane Bieber and or are not going to be able to pitch the rest of the season, and they're just going to tell them, hey, listen, shut it down. We don't need you to be out there because we don't need bodies, and we want you fresh for next year. What happens with Bieber and McKenzie, I think, in the next 28 games will tell me a lot of what I need to know about what this team thinks into whether or not they can actually be competitive. If Bieber or McKenzie actually get out there and pitch, then I'll start to believe that the front office, and I know they're, they're doing warm-ups and they're getting there. Then I'll believe the front office believes they have a chance. But I don't think it's going to happen for the reason that unless they just want to get out there and throw, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're just going to say, all right, we'll see you next year. And someone like Lucas Giolito with his near 70 RA coming from Los Angeles can go ahead and try to clean up the damage. Honestly surprised they didn't just ride it out with Noah Syndergaard. If, I'm being, if we're going to go down that road, Noah wasn't great. Obviously, but why? What, do you, what chance are you taking with Lucas Giolito? The name, the name. It's not a good baseball player. It's a name. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Scotty and Concord up next. Hello, Scotty. Hey, I think that you're right and wrong all at the same time because I think this is a trade for right now to fill some gaps. But what I hear you saying is that the the Guardians are idiots because McKenzie and Beaver got hurt. That's that not what I said. Sense. Scotty, that's it, not what I said. Well, you, that's where you're going now. You said if those didn't guys don't that. come back, then they're saying they're not contenders. Well, maybe they realize that, and this is a really smart move to protect those other young arms in the rotation. No, and, that, and Scotty, have not thrown this many that would, that would make sense and, to me. But I don't think many people in the fans, judging by what I've gotten today, have put have connected those dots. I'm connecting those dots. I'm the one doing it. 
And and I think that's it. It's a band-aid for right now. You gotta protect those young arms and see what happens with this last month. It adds a little spark of excitement because it's something different, but it's not the it's not the cure. You just gotta remember all our our fans out there are the same people that think the Browns are going to be good every year. Oh, <laughs> Scotty, cheap shot. Cheap shot. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. I appreciate you, man. Cheap shot Scotty. That's his new name now. Cheap shot Scotty with the low blow. He managed to he managed to make two different fan bases mad all in the same call. If only he would have ended with Sexton was better than Garland, we could have really gone for the trifecta there. Oh, yeah. I, as I said, I, listen. I don't. I'm not going to go ahead and like. Pen a letter to Antonetti and be like, how dare you? No, Antonetti is not the one out here trying to do a victory lap, although when I played the clip, it did make it seem like he really wanted to prop up the three players that I think are just very, all right, whatever. It's fine. Neither here nor there. I mean, think about it. When you see some of the reaction, again, Cleveland.com, their article today, and I like Cleveland.com, you know that. The headline was, the Guardians throw a haymaker. It's not a haymaker. Not in the slightest bit. If you want to accept the move for what it was, which is you had three guys you could claim off waivers that you thought would make the team a little bit better, but understand they're not going to make it to the postseason and understand there's not going to be a postseason push, then I would have been like, all right, fine. And we would have swept it under the rug, and I might not have even had brought it up. But when Baskin and Phelps come back from their break doing celebratory music, talking about this is the push you need, and this is the push they're going to get, well, I'm sorry. You lost me. When I hear fans talk about how, uh, oh, they're going to win one for Tito. These are the moves to win one for Tito. This isn't a move to win one for Tito. This is a move so that Tito doesn't fall asleep in the dugout, maybe. But this isn't a move so that Tito ends up in the postseason in his final year. Are you kidding me? What are we talking about? You ever seen Lucas Giolito pitch in the Angels uniform in the six starts he was out there? It was beer league softball. It was, it was home run derby. What are we doing? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Josh and Grand River up next. Hello, Josh. Good evening, Jonathan. Hello, Josh. How are you today? Oh, hanging in there, man. So I completely agree for, agree with you. This wasn't a push for the playoffs. If it was a push for the playoffs, we would have got rid of our four catchers during this year to make some moves <laughs> to get some extra players in places where we needed places. Yes, did we get rid of one today, but we still have three, so I'm not going to be fooled by everybody else. You got it. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate you, man. All right. I'm going to give you a, a, a deep, deep baseball stat because I was sitting there on fan graphs earlier today, and I feel like it would be a shame if I didn't. I looked it up. The Guardians from July 31st on, so the deadline, when they were one game out of 500, or excuse me, one game out of first place against Minnesota, actually have a top 10 ERA in baseball since the deadline. There was an uptick in there because of relievers. So I went just starters, and with starters, they have the 13th best ERA in baseball. Not horrible. I know ERA is not the the most advanced stat we could possibly use in that situation, but take it for what it's worth. The pitching as a whole from the deadline on has not been bad at all. So it's funny to me as people go, oh, all of a sudden we got this great Lucas Giolito that's going to save the the starting rotation and going to get us uh, over the hump. It's like pitching actually wasn't the problem. Guardians hitters were back to 27th and slugging since the deadline. That's your problem, which is the same reason why I would imagine Antonetti and company thought to themselves, hey, probably not going to make a deep postseason run this year because contact rate and speed is not how you win ball games in today's game. Ball goes far, team goes far. And unless uh, we're going to get 
progressive field to bring in the, the warning track as the new home run distance, maybe bring in the wall like, I don't know, 10, 15 feet, something around there, maybe 20 feet, or maybe we can get some guys that actually threaten to hit it to the warning track to begin with, uh, then it's not, it's not in the cards, not for this season. People think Cole Calhoun is Babe Ruth right now because they haven't seen homers all season long. It's incredible. All right, leave that there. It's not bashing of the Indians. I just, Guardians, excuse me. Um, I just, you know, I had a day with it, okay? I had a day with it. I got very angry at certain points. You guys know sometimes when you get angry, you just got to talk it out. I knew, I, you know, I had a full day's rest too. That's the other part of it. So I, I tend to get more angry when I actually get more sleep. That's, that's the real, I think it's the real thinking behind it. But honestly, I just I didn't want you guys thinking. I didn't want the the smart listeners of Overtime with Jonathan Peterman thinking that the Guardians, because they spent $3 million, were all of a sudden Daddy Warbucks out here. Hardly, okay? Hardly. Come on back. When it comes to the Browns' defense, are we anointing them just a little bit too early? What are your expectations for the Browns' defense? 216-474-092, Brendan Gulick at 820. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. All right, no one aims to finish last in fantasy football, so get the latest news now and the best player insights until your season is done. Download Upper Hand Fantasy on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. I feel much better. Do we all feel much better? I feel much better. Every now and then I feel like it is a little, a little therapeutic to just really yell about things. Just, just really just let it all out. Especially when things get you really, really angry. And for some reason, I think the Guardians at times gets me angrier than any other fan base or any other uh, team in this city. I don't know why. I mean, I get angry over the Cavs and the Browns. There's no doubt about it. I think it's because I, I, I know that everyone around the Guardians knows better. The hard part for that conversation, though, was it's not that I was necessarily mad at the Guardians. I was mad at the reaction to what the Guardians did. That's what got me upset. And it's by people and it's by a fan base that should know better. And I do believe does know better, if I'm being honest about it. I believe you guys are very good baseball fans. I doubt my mind. My perception of that is different than a lot of people's perception of what happened today. That's all that is. Honestly, rewind, go back to 7 o'clock if you want to hear me get mad and yell. Uh, it can be there and we'll be there for the next three days. That's how the Odyssey app works. And it's completely free. So please, go back and do that. Now let's talk about the Browns. I blame Shield Capadia for this convo. It's a good convo to have, but if he doesn't put the Browns to the third best defense, there's no way we're discussing this. He put us as third best, and I like this defense. But after watching the preseason, I wonder if people are starting to turn them into the 85 Bears, though. Jim Schwartz was the hire I wanted. Everyone else wanted Flores. I pounded on the table for Jim Schwartz. I can't take that victory lap quite yet. Not yet. It's not my circus. It's not my monkeys. I don't make that decision. So I'll wipe my hands clean at the end of this regardless. Remember, friends, I'm like Evo Knievel. I get paid for the attempt. But it's undeniable to see that they have a real adult in the room when it comes to the decisions and running the defense. Part of why I wanted Jim Schwartz to be the head of this defense is because I looked around and I saw what happened. Saw what happened last year when it came to Kevin Stefanski and Joe Woods. Stefanski, I believe wants to be more glorified offensive coordinator than he wants to be complete head coach. It's something I disagree with at this point. 
I agree that he should be calling the plays. I agree with that because I think that's what he does best. But I like a coach that roams the sidelines. I like a coach that, you know, goes and sees the defense, goes and sees the offense, makes his way around. Now, when you go watch those games, and we go in person to watch those games, and I've been blessed enough to be on the sidelines a couple times in the Kevin Stefanski era. I don't take that lightly because they don't just let anyone be on the sidelines for those things. Like baseball, for instance, everyone gets credentialed, or nearly everyone gets credentialed. I shouldn't say everyone. But a lot of people end up getting credentialed, and you can go on the field before the game, and you can do certain things. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that happens, right? Basketball, same story, same situation. Being on the field, not a lot of people get credentialed for Browns games, but being on the field is a different story. I had a chance to do it a couple times. And when you watch those games, Kevin Stefanski is 30, year, 30 yards off and away from anyone. It's almost like he's on an island by himself. There were times where I, I was roaming the sidelines myself, and I just parked up right behind Kevin Stefanski, and I promise you there could have been photographers there that if they would have snapped the photo in the right moment, it would have been Stefanski, then me, and within 10 yards of either one of us, not a single soul in sight. He's on his own little island. He's off to the side. It's weird. What I love about Jim Schwartz being involved now is that he's going to pick up the pieces that maybe, just maybe, I feel like Kevin Stefanski lacks. Stefanski lacks that let's roam the sideline, let's make sure we're involved in everything during the games, let's be there for the entire team, in my estimation. In my estimation. Because last year it felt like Joe Woods' defense, it was truly Joe Woods' defense. And Joe Woods was letting everyone and anyone do anything. And that's why the wheels fell off the bus. Notice how it was weird last year. You didn't have many people church, you know, chirping from the offensive side, but then all the defensive players, they were the ones chirping. Jadavion was chirping. Miles Garrett was chirping. All these guys chirping left and right. No shock to me. Jim Schwartz is going to clean some of that up. Not a doubt in my mind. That's going to get corrected. I wonder if we fell in love with the preseason a little bit too hard. I'm all right with the idea that the defense is going to be much, much, much better than last year. Part of the reason why I have the Browns winning double-digit games is because I believe in what this defense can be. But I'm trying to figure out at what point did we make this defense a top-five defense, and at what point do we make this defense a really superior defense? Do you need to see this defense be great before you anoint them? I don't think the defense is as much of a question mark as the offense is for people. I'm not worried about the offense in the slightest bit, me personally. The offense to me is and will be golden. Part of the reason why I've said the Browns will win double-digit games this season is because I know that connection between Stefanski and Deshaun Watson is going to work. I might have more confidence than any other person in the entire country that Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski is going to work. Deshaun Watson will be good at football this year. Will he be great? I can't say. But he's going to be good. The bottom line, the bare minimum, you start at what Jacoby Brissett did last year, where the offense still got to being top five at one point in the season, and I think we're in good shape. think we're in good shape. But I'm looking at defenses. I'm looking at defenses across the NFL. You can make an argument that the Eagles' defense won five games for Philly last year, where the offense had to barely raise a finger. Two of them now were in the postseason. The 49ers game with Brock Purdy and that injury, and the Giants game in the divisional round where they held New York to a touchdown. Now that same defense also gave up a 40-burger to Dallas. 
I think what I'm looking for with this Browns defense, I think I'm looking for them to be a little bit like what Philly did last year. And I know, excuse me, you're saying to yourself, Jonathan, how about that pipe dream? Uh, Philly had four guys on the defensive line with double-digit sacks. It's a good dream to have. Yeah, all right, bear with me for a second. I'm not saying necessarily, you know, copy pasta, copy and paste what exactly they do. What I am saying, I want just a, a couple, a few games where the defense unequivocally wins games for the offense. And you don't have to think about it. Deshaun Watson could have basically taken the Sunday off. We could have got Dorian Thompson Robinson could have got us 10 points and we would have won the game. That's what I'm looking for. I don't remember too many games last year. And maybe I'll, I'll go back and refresh my memory in between the break. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's a couple that you guys can think of off the top of your noggin. But I don't remember too many games last year where I thought to myself, Browns defense won that game and the offense didn't even have to show up in order for them to go ahead and get the W. The Ravens game? Is that the one that's coming to people's mind, I would imagine? Remember the one Ravens game with Tyler Huntley where they held him to a field goal? That's probably the only game anybody could think of, right? That Ravens game last year. I got one on the dock at top of the dome, right? One on the dock at top of the dome. I'm thinking about that Commanders game, but even that one wouldn't have qualified for what I was giving Philadelphia. They still, they still scored in the double digits in Washington, right? So I, I can't give them that much credit for that one. I got one game on the books, top of noggin. Let's go to Pro Football Reference. Let's go. Uh, let's go check it out really quickly. I got one game on the top of the noggin that tells me that the Browns legitimately won because defense, defense alone, and they didn't have to do any heavy lifting from an offensive standpoint. Ravens game held to the field goal. That's all I got. Philadelphia had five of those games last year. Philadelphia is an offensive juggernaut. Jalen Hurts got paid. 200-plus million dollars based off of what happened last year. There was an argument to be made that Jalen Hurts lost the Super Bowl and should have been given Super Bowl MVP, considering he rushed for three touchdowns and five total touchdowns. was unbelievable. was just an incredibly large talent when it comes to what he needed to do. Hell, I never forget the line from Chris Jones after the Super Bowl where he was like, yeah, I would have given it to Jalen Hurts. What? Patrick Mahomes just won the second Super Bowl of his career. And legitimately was awesome in his own right. And they're like, yeah, no, I, I would have given it to Jalen Hurts. As good as Philadelphia was, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, got hired off to Indianapolis after that game. Like, there was a ton going for that team in that game and in in that, in that season in and of itself. Five games, by my estimation, they held the opposing team to a point where the offense could basically sleepwalk through the game and they'd get the W. That's what I want for the Browns. But do you have to see it in order to believe it? Ken, earlier this morning, on his own show, oddly enough, good place for Ken to be, living in his own show, uh, had this to say. I'm not going to be convinced about the defense until they show me. You just did a be careful, let's not rush into judgment, because we've had callers today say, all right, defense is going to be top five, and then they just move on. Guys, guys, guys. And I'm like, wait a second, what? Because the other ones have a track record. That's why. Amari Cooper has a track record of being a successful wide receiver. David Njoku does have a track record of being a pretty solid tight end. Effective tight end, yeah. I take David Njoku for what he is. An effective, solid tight end. The offensive line. 
has a track record of being top five. Nick Chubb has a track record of being one of the two or three greatest running backs in the league at any time. They brought guys in before. I've gotten myself all worked up over all these guys before, and I flat out embarrassed myself. I ain't going to do it. I got to bet on the ones that have proven it. In that jersey have proven it. We've brought other guys in before to help out this defense, and it's not been an unmitigated disaster. just hasn't been anywhere near what we need it to be. And underline the word need. And guys, I'm not asking for it to be a top five defense. I'm asking it to be top 12, top 15. But I'm not going to give it praise and heap on top of it until I see it in the regular season. I've made an ass out of myself about this defense for too long. All right, that was Ken. I want to hear from you guys. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Have you made an ass out of yourself for believing in the Browns' defense for too long? I like the defense. I don't think I need to see. I'm as pragmatic as a human as you'll find. Normally, I need to see things in order to buy into it. I'm willing to buy into this defense without seeing them play a single down. I bought into the offense with Deshaun Watson and Stefanski for this upcoming year. I can buy into this defense as well. I don't. You don't always need to see. The results on the field before you go ahead and take that leap with this Browns defense. Jim Schwartz is a difference maker. Tom Winston and Smith is a difference maker. Now, last year we had so many guys that couldn't stop the run. Any team could beat us. Just Austin Eckler us to the oblivion. It was going to be the the easiest win you ever had. The, The games we ended up winning were the games where teams got stubborn. Tom Brady wants to throw the ball 45 times against a defense that couldn't stop a cold. You're going to lose that game. We could stop the pass. We couldn't stop the run. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Do you need to see it before you believe it with this Browns defense? Brandon Gulick at eight twenty. We'll continue with your phone calls and your Twitter reactions and everything in between when we come on back. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you on the fan. 